Well, thank you everybody so much for joining us once again for our continuing series live, all live here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. I'm Father Chris Alar. It's again a pleasure to be with you uh, as we continue our series. And you can see on your screen, today's topic is understanding Fatima. And as you saw on that title slide, you know, there's so much that we hear about Fatima, quite arguably the most important Marian apparition in human history. But there's a lot of confusion. Is Russia consecrated, not consecrated? What was the message? There was all kinds of visits. What do we need to take from it? What is the message? What do we have to do? What are we instructed? What's obligatory, obligatory? what's not? We're going to cover all that today. So we're excited you could be with us on a sunny, beautiful day in Stockbridge today on Saturday. Uh, a little bit cooler, about 55, but we're, hey, we're making it. And, uh, and this is a part, this whole series on the next slide you'll see is part of my Explaining the Faith series. Now, these are going to come in sets. The first set was my first 13 talks. This talk today will be on the next set, but you can get this first set uh, called Explaining the Faith. Faith on our website, shopmercy.org, or by calling 800-462-7426, or if you'd like to live stream it, you can visit thedivinemercy.org slash explaining the faith. Okay, so everybody, again, awesome to be here, and again, one of the most important topics that we can discuss from our messages from Mary of all Marian apparitions. All right. Let us begin. Really what this talk is going to connect is Mary and divine mercy. And this is one thing you don't often hear um, when we talk about Fatima. Mary and divine mercy is going to be the connection. Now, most people agree that Fatima is about private revelation and prophecy. But Father, that is not mandatory. That's optional in the Catholic Church. We don't have to believe it to get to heaven. Is this true? Yes. However, why listen then? Well, I think these next couple slides will help you understand. Look at the next slide. This is Thomas Aquinas, one of the greatest saints ever in the church. And he said, private revelation is important because it offers a deeper understanding of revealed truth. He said it gives guidance to leaders in the church of actions they should take at a particular point in time. Don't you think it's interesting that Mary appears at different times to address issues of that time? Um, Aquinas also said prophecy is needed for the proper worship of God. So there is a role in, in private revelation and prophecy. Now let's go to our next slide. Here we have two powerful statements. The first one is St. Peter. St. Peter said, no prophecy ever came through human will, but rather human beings moved by the Holy Spirit spoke under the influence of God. So here's Peter telling us that we need to listen. This is important. Next, Carl Rahner, there on the right, he said, private revelation answers the question, as to what is most urgently to be done here and now in accordance with the general principles of the faith. Okay, so what, what are we saying here? What we're saying here is, yes, technically we do not have to listen to private revelation or even believe it to get to heaven. However, 
As Father Seraphim says, and I use his words directly, quote, you'd be foolish not to. <laughs> so, um, and, and the important thing to remember here, though, and this is what most people forget, prophecy is not set in stone. Pope Benedict XV emphasized this. It sometimes is given by God as a warning to change, to change. And we can affect that change. And so when we have that opportunity, when, when God warns us, especially through his mother, we need to listen because he's telling us how to avoid, like for instance, um, a chastisement. So anyway, this is important stuff. Now, where does Fatima begin and how does it begin? I think this is interesting. And I'm giving a new talk here. I've done the Fatima talk before, but I've adding some new things to it. I did this only a couple times years ago. But I'm adding a couple things. I believe that Fatima actually believe, excuse me, actually begins, and let's put up our next slide, right here, with Pope Leo XIII, who I believe is the greatest pope in the history of the church. Father, you're from the JP2 generation. You can't say that. Okay, I get it. And yes, John Paul II is right there. But personally, what I learned in seminary, I think Leo XIII was the greatest pope we've ever had. Now, as we saw on that slide, he was pope from 1878 to 1903. Now, what happened? We have a pious tradition, which means this is not scripture, but the pious tradition was in 1884, on October the 13th, Pope Leo finished mass and overheard a conversation between Jesus and Satan. Show our next slide, because this is what he heard. He heard this conversation between Satan and Jesus, where J uh, Satan said to Jesus, I can bring down your church. And Jesus said, you think so? He said, yes, but I need more time and I need more power. And Satan, or uh, Jesus said, how much power? And Satan said, enough to influence the lukewarm sinner, those on the fence. I want a shot at getting the souls of those on the fence. Now, why would Jesus allow this? He allows this because the Bible tells us we must be tested. The angels were tested. Adam and Eve were tested. We are going to be tested if we haven't already. You will through your whole life. So here's what's important. <clears throat> Jesus granted him the power to test us. Then Satan said, I need more time. And Jesus said, how much time? He said, about a hundred years. And he said, and I can bring down your church. Whoa. In the hundred years, now the question is going to be, when did that hundred years begin? But we know in the last hundred years, or in that hundred years, even from the time of St. Leo, here's what we've seen. In our culture, We've accepted no-fault divorce. Contraception's not even questioned. Abortion, shattered families, single parenthood, test tube babies, same-sex marriage redefinition of marriage, instant access pornography, the corruption of higher education, the indoctrination of our youth, a giant welfare state, the destruction of the middle class, crippling debt, a rejection of our Constitution, the stripping of our freedoms, especially the freedom of religion, an embracing of Marxism, 
and acceptance of violence is a form of protest. And the no one is accountable approach, yet everyone goes to heaven and there is no hell. That's what's happening in our society. So <clears throat> Satan, if he was given this power, and we can see those effects, those have happened. The question often asked of theologians is, when did that 100-year reign of Satan begin? Did it begin in 1884 when Christ had that conversation with Satan? Now, some people say yes, because 100 years later, so if it was on October 13th, 1884, that Satan had this conversation and he was granted 100 years, some believe this is true, because what happened 100 years later to the day, October 13th, 1984? The Detroit Tigers won the World Series. <laughs> I'm from Detroit. I had to throw that in there. But no, actually, sorry, all joking aside, a hundred years later, John Paul consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1984. So some people believe that was the hundred years. However, others believe that that time may have began in 1917, that the, the Satan took some years to form his army and to launch his attack. Why 1917? This is very important. Okay. The other thing, the reason that people believe in 1917 may have been the year that began was the horrible things that were happening in 1917. All right, first of all, the World War I was raging. This was the war to end all wars. All right, not only was World War I raging, the Masonic bankers took their first country in Russia. Also, Margaret Sanger, you may have heard of Planned Parenthood. She was the founder. She released a film called Birth Control in 1917. It was so scandalous, she actually spent 30 days in jail, as I understand it. She opened the first birth control clinic in New York, in Brooklyn, I think it was, in 1916. But anyway, this birth control film was released in 1917. So all these things were going on in 1917. I think the Spanish flu was even raging at that time, if I'm correct. But what does God do? Where sin abounds, grace abounds even the more. How did God answer this issue in 1917. Well, God did. Let's look at our next slide. In 1917, God answered in a big way with Our Lady of Fatima and Maximilian Kolbe in 1917. You know what's interesting? Mary appeared on the 13th of every month, and I told you that Pope Leo's vision of Satan and Christ speaking happened on October 13th. You know what happened 33 years later to the day? The miracle of the sun on October 13th, 1917. But that's not the only connection. Let's look at some more incredible connections in 1917. All right, first, our next slide. You see Pope Pius XII right there? He was made a bishop in the Sistine Chapel at the exact time and day, May 13th, 1917, that Mary was appearing to the children at Fatima. And Pope Pius XII is the Pope that led us through World War II. Also, you see Pope Benedict XV on that screen, on that slide. Now, he was doing a novena. There's Pope Benedict XV 
Okay, he was leading a novena to Mary, the mother of mercy, believe it or not. So there's Benedict XV leading a prayer to Mary, the mother of mercy, for peace and an end to World War I. And on the eighth day of that novena, Mary appeared. That was May 13th, 1917. So you see, Satan launches his attack in 1917. World War I's going on, the Masonic bankers take over, uh, the Bolshevik Revolution, the fall of, of Russia, the, um, uh, the Spanish flu. Margaret Sanger launches birth control clinics and the film Birth Control, but yet God answers with Mary and Maximilian Kolbe in 1913. So while the Pope is being installed as a bishop in 1913, uh, 1917 on May 13th, there's Mary appearing to the children of Fatima. Unbelievable. All right. Most people don't know when Fatima actually began, but it actually began the year before. Let's look at this slide. Here's a slide of the angel of peace appearing to the children at Fatima, actually in 1916. Now it appears that, or excuse me, the angel appeared to the children to prepare them for Mary's visits. Now the reason I bring this up is it's powerful because he taught them a prayer that's very similar to the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. This, these two prayers, the chaplet and what the uh, angel gave at Fatima are incredibly similar. All right, so then Mary came at the next um, uh, uh, opportunity in uh, 1917 that the angel prepared him for. Mary came on May 13th, as I said, in 1917, which was the feast of Our Lady of the Eucharist. So you're going to see the connection here between Mary and Jesus, the divine mercy. And I'm going to show you later, that's the entire message of Fatima. All right, now. Next, we see the three children. This is who Mary appeared to. These three children, Lucia, who was 10, Francisco, who was eight, and Jacinta, who was seven. That picture supposedly was taken right after they had the vision of Mary, where they said she was more brilliant than the sun. And so Mary appeared to these children starting in May 13, 1917, and asked for prayer and penance to never offend God again. Her message was that mankind must abandon themselves to God, who is the source of love and mercy. So we're getting there. Mary told them to pray the rosary every day in order to obtain peace for the world and an end of the war. Then she told them to come back every month on the 13th for six consecutive months. All right. Now, in those apparitions, I don't have time to explain what happened on each of the months. Let's jump ahead to the most, one of the most important of them. See our next slide, the secret of Fatima. All right. The secret of Fatima was given in July's apparition. And the Holy See treats them as one secret in three parts. So we're going to talk about the first secret, the second secret, and the third secret. All right, the first part, where the first secret was given a vision of hell, which only lasted but an instant, 
But it was so awful that the children said they would have died of fright had Our Lady not promised them that they were already going to go to heaven. Now I want to show you a clip, quick minute and a half video from Father Mike Gately's series where he describes hell. Now, I should probably give the little parental guidance uh, warning here because it could be a little scary. But the reason I'm showing this slide, so if you have children watching, you might want to judge right now if it's a little scary because this is the vision of what the children described that they saw in hell and to them was very scary. And so let's watch this quick video from Father Mike Gately. Se Nossa Senhora não tinha prometido para nos levar para o céu, acho que teria morrido de medo. Our Lady showed us a great sea of fire which seemed to be under the earth. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration. Now raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves together with great clouds of smoke, now falling back on every side like sparks in a huge fire without weight or equilibrium and tricks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. The demons could be distinguished by their terrifying and repellent likeness to brightful and unknown animals, all black and transparent. This vision lasted but an instant. How can we ever be grateful enough to our kind Heavenly Mother who had already prepared us by promising in the first apparition to take us to heaven. Otherwise, I think we would have died of fear and terror. Okay, so you see in that video a real, what I would say is a wake-up call, right? Um, I show that because sometimes, you know, it takes a, a little shot to us to wake up, to realize the error of our ways. And this is what Mary showed the children. And so we have there a message from Mary in the first secret that was, this is hell where poor sinners go, especially if there's nobody to pray for them. Now, let's go to our second slide, because in the second part of the secrets, we have Mary saying this. You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end, but if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out. She means World War II. To prevent this, I shall come and to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and reparation on the first Saturdays. We'll talk about that in a minute. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. 
the Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she shall be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. All right. Powerful, right? That's the second of the secrets talking about the war, that if we don't change this first world war that was happening, a worse one would break out. Then she talked about Russia. What's interesting is that we know that this message was authentic because the children, they didn't even know who or what Russia was. They thought it was the name of a woman. They were like, who's this Russia? Uh, They didn't even know there was a nation called Russia. And so when when Mother Mary said Russia to them and they repeated, they, they didn't even know what Russia was. So we knew there was something really truthful told to them. All right, then... Mary gave the third part of the secret, the one that has much controversy and confusion. And we're going to try to clarify that for you. All right, so basically, before I show the slide, um, the third part of the secret had the angel crying out, penance, penance, penance. And then Mary, let's show our next slide, or Lucia said, she documented what Mary, or excuse me, what the children documented what Mary said. Okay, Mary said this. To prevent this, meaning what? The children going to hell, or excuse me, Mary said, the Holy Father, I'm sorry, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins and half trembling with halting step. Now, what does halting step mean? That's kind of like a stutter step. Remember John Paul II when he had Parkinson's disease, that was a halting step. Afflicted with pain and sorrow. He prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain on his knees at the foot of the cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. And in the same way, There died one after another the other bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people, other positions. All right. This is important because, first of all, it says, who's that bishop in white? Well, John Paul believed it was him. Most everybody believes that, but it said he died. He was killed. Remember. Pope Benedict told us prophecy is not set in stone. We can change it, mitigate it through prayer and penance. And so John Paul II believed he was spared for a purpose. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But after the children described that third secret, it said that beneath the two arms of the cross, there were two angels with a crystal aspersorium in which they had in their hand And they gathered up the blood of the martyrs. Remember the church expression, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So they gathered up the blood of the martyrs and sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. That's you and me right now. We are those souls struggling through those those ruins. What do you think those ruins are? Are we not seeing on the news every night the cities being torn to ruins, not just in the United States, but around the world? These are the ruins. And you and me are making our way through it. 
but yet we're being persecuted. It says we're being persecuted greatly. This is what happens to us just for being Christians. We're being greatly persecuted. All right, so what happened then? On that July apparition, Mary then promised that she would come and give a great miracle on October the 13th for all to believe. And so right now I want to show the second and final video from Mother, Father Mike Gailey. It's only three minutes long, so stay with me. But this is a beautiful one. The children can watch this one. It's a summary of the miracle of the sun that Mary told about that was going to come on October the 13th. You know, I once told my dad the story of Our Lady of Fatima. Now, at the time, he didn't have a very strong faith, yet he was totally captivated. In fact, he was so captivated that after I finished the story, he said, Mike, if people heard that, they'd believe. Now, while the prophetic aspects of the message of Fatima are certainly impressive, what particularly struck him was the great solar miracle. That's the part he thought would really get people believing. So let's go to October 13, 1917, and what's known as the Miracle of the Sun. Of course, any miracle is impressive, but I personally think that the miracle of the sun was one of the most awesome and dramatic public miracles in the whole history of the church. During the July 13th apparition, Our Lady had told Lucia that she would perform a miracle in October for all to see and believe. Well, Lucia shared that information with others and the word quickly spread. In fact, even the secular anti-Catholic newspaper, O Secolo, it helped get the word out, although it did so only to mock the children and the people who believed them. Well, all morning long on October 13, 1917, the day of the promised miracle, a steady rain saturated the Kova de Iria. But despite that, tens of thousands of people still came. Then, at midday, Our Lady appeared, and the children knelt in the mud at the front of the crowds. Looking very sad, Our Lady said, Do not offend the Lord or God anymore, because He's already so much offended. After speaking those words, Mary opened her hands, and the reflection of her own glorious light was reflected on the sun as she disappeared into the distance. At that point, the children began to experience a series of visions. Saint Joseph with the child Jesus, Our Lady robed in white with a blue mantle, and then Our Lady again, first appearing as Our Lady of Sorrows, and then as Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Now while the children beheld those visions, the people who had gathered saw something very different. As we approached the hillside upon which the appearances were supposed to have taken place, I saw a sea of people. It was a day of incessant drizzle. It was absolutely full of people, but for my part, I felt devoid of any religious feeling. A few moments before the miracle, it stopped raining. Suddenly, the rain ceased, the clouds separated, and I saw a large sun, brighter than the sun. Outside? The people were shouting and weeping and pointing to the sun. One could see the immense multitude turn toward the sun, which appeared free from clouds and in its zenith. When Lucia called out, look at the sun, the whole multitude repeated, attention to the sun, look at the sun. I can hardly find words to describe what followed. It looked like a plague of dull silver. It might have been an eclipse which was taking place. Then the sun started spinning and shooting streams of light, which changed it to all colors of the rainbow. At the same time, it started getting bigger and bigger in the sky, as though it were falling on the earth. 
Before the astonished eyes of the crowd, the sun trembled, made sudden incredible movements outside of all cosmic laws. The sun danced according to the typical expression of the people. Everyone was frightened. We all thought it was the end of the world. Near us was an unbeliever who had spent the morning mocking at the simpletons who had gone off to Fatima just to see an ordinary girl. He now seemed to be paralyzed, his eyes fixed on the sun. Suddenly, the sun stopped spinning and returned to its place in the sky. Everyone started shouting, miracle, this is a miracle. Just then I noticed that both the ground and my clothes were bone dry. People then began to ask each other what they had seen. The great majority admitted to have seen the trembling and the dancing of the sun. There was a man standing with his face turned to the sun. He recited the creed in a loud voice. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Okay, so we know and we've all heard about the miracle of the sun. And maybe you've also heard about the miracle, really, in a sense, that happened in Fatima that day, or in, a, uh, yeah, in Fatima that day, because there were 70,000 people that were reported to be there. And remember, it had been raining all day. They were full of mud, soaking wet. And all of a sudden, everything was completely dry. Their clothes were clean. The mud was gone. They were completely dry, and everybody was yelling, miracle. So all is good, right? Mary comes, makes it known. The world is not destroyed. Everything's clean now. The mud goes away. All is good, right? Well, not necessarily. And here's a picture of it. Here's a picture of those 70,000 people, or just some of those 70,000 people. And you can see, look at the crowd there. I mean, that's incredible. I love this old picture because it gives you a context of really what was going on. Some people showed up, as Father Mike said, just to mock it, but boy, they all became believers afterwards, right? Now, after Mary did the miracle and everything got cleaned up, that means all was good, right? Wrong. World War II still happened. Mary's predictions of hunger and famine and persecution of the church still happened. The children, they suffered a lot. In fact, Francisco died, and Jacinta, she had to go through some real pain. She had two ribs removed with, for an inflamed lung with no anesthesia. Can you imagine? Now, people think that was the end of Fatima. The last apparition was October 13th, but no, Fatima continued into the 1920s. This is where the real important messages come. Because remember, Mary hadn't given all the details in those six months at Fatima. More was to come in the 1920s. For instance, in 1925 in Spain, Jesus appeared as the Christ child and described how Mary's heart, his mother, her heart was wounded by blasphemies. And he talked about the five blasphemies that wounded her heart, and that was blasphemies against her immaculate conception, blasphemies against her perpetual virginity, uh, blasphemies against her divine maternity. You remember, these are Marian dogmas for us. Blasphemies that instilled hate in children against Mother Mary. 
and blasphemies of those who reviled her sacred images. That's why I get sometimes comments online about, you know, um, disgusting images of, of idolatry. No, it's not. And I'll do a whole nother talk on statues and images coming up in the future. Why that's not idolatry. It's actually given by our Lord as he's given us in the, in the past ways to carve statues. For instance, the Ark of the Covenant or the gold, uh, the bronze serpent. These were instructed by God to carve these. <clears throat> Again, we don't worship Mary, but she leads us to Jesus. And we'll talk about that. All right. Now, when Mary came, Jesus gave the child, Jesus gave these blasphemies as a reason that her heart is pierced. So the blessed virgin then appeared and requested, let's look at our next slide, the five first Saturdays devotion. All right, the five first Saturdays devotion because of these blasphemies. And we're going to talk about this in more detail. I want you to put this in your memory bank. But basically, what do you do for the first Saturday of five consecutive months, Mary said? One, you go to confession. All right, now the people always ask, does that mean it has to be exactly on that day? Try your best to go on that day. But Father um, Apostoli said, even if you have to go a couple days before or a couple days after, as long as you're in a state of grace, go after. Try to get it as close as you can, but it doesn't have to be exactly on that day. Try. Next, you receive Holy Communion. All right. Then you pray the rosary. And here's the key. Meditate on one or more of the mysteries of the rosary for an additional 15 minutes. All right. That is the five First Saturday devotions. We're going to come back to it. Why? This is very important, and it has to do with the consecration of Russia. I'm sorry, the conversion of Russia, which is different. You have the consecration of Russia, which means she is blessed. Then you have the conversion of Russia, which means the people change. Now, let's look at this for a minute. That happened in 1925. Now, in 1929... Mary appeared again to Lucia in Spain and asked now for the official consecration of Russia by the Pope with his bishops around the world. So what happened? It wasn't consecrated. So in 1931, Jesus appeared and said he was unhappy that Russia had not been consecrated. So... When Mary asked first in 1929, it was not done. 1931, two years later, Jesus appears and says, I'm not happy. Russia has not been consecrated. And Jesus said, they did not heed my request. Like the king of France, and I'll explain that in a second, they will repent and do it, but it will be late. Russia will have already spread her errors throughout the world, provoking wars and persecutions against the church. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. All right, so people who are saying, was Russia consecrated or not? Lucy said in 1931 that Jesus said, it will, she will be consecrated, but she'll be late and I'm not happy. And Russia will spread her errors all around the world. Well, Father, Russia wasn't consecrated because she spread her errors around the world. Well, that's what Jesus said would happen not because it wasn't consecrated, but because it was late. 
Now, what's this about the king of France? All right. On June 17th, 1689, Jesus commanded that the king of France consecrate France to the sacred heart. We know this with Margaret Mary Alacoque. They didn't do it. 100 years later to the day, June 17th, 1789, the French Revolution. This is that same 100 years that France calls the Enlightenment. And trust me, it was anything but enlightened. It was a rejection of God and a turning away and putting all power in the reason of man. It's the beginning of many of our modern day problems. So what happened? Russia has not been consecrated. Jesus appears in 1931, says it's not happened. I'm not happy here. So all of this went on. There was a few attempts, like during the war, Pope Pius XII, but he didn't have all the bishops with him and all kinds of stuff. So nobody argues that Russia was not consecrated in those decades following Fatima. So what happened? Well, on May 13th, 1981, let's look at our next slide. We had a wake-up call. On May 13th, 1981, the 64th anniversary John Paul II was shot and he was rushed to the hospital and what they said he should have died. But almost miraculously, the bullet um, was, was changed trajectory inside the body of John Paul and miraculously, he did not die. Now, when he was in the hospital, he asked for two things. He asked one for the third secret of Fatima and guess what else he asked for? Let's show it on the screen. The Diary of St. Faustina in Polish. This is incredible. This is what John Paul asked for, the, the third secret of Fatima and the Diary of St. Faustina. Now, he saw his shooting as the fulfillment of the shooting of the bishop in white that we just read on that slide for the third secret. Remember, a bishop would be walking through ruins with a halting step. Well, John Paul II had Parkinson's. He had a halting step towards the end of his papacy. The ruins, I think we're seeing ruins of our cities and world right now. And this is what's going on. But he didn't die. Remember, the prophecy said that the, the, the bishop would be killed, but he wasn't. He should have been killed. He was shot, just like the prophecy said he would be shot. But remember, Pope Benedict says, prophecy is not written in stone. We can change it with prayer and penance. We can mitigate it. So this is important. So after reading the third secret, John Paul II said that Mary should no longer remain in the background. It is time to bring Mary to the forefront. And this is the beautiful thing that started happening in the world. John Paul II's pontificate started bringing Mary out to the world, just like God desired. All right, so next slide. <clears throat> Not many people know this, but on May 13th, 1982, John Paul went back to the Shrine of Fatima in Portugal, and he was assassinated, or there was an assassination attempt again. One year later to the day, he was stabbed by a Spanish cleric in a second assassination attempt. My goodness. So let's look at the slide here. There's the crown. 
that he then, although he was not seriously injured in the, in the stabbing, he then took the bullet and placed it, that the bullet that was fired at him, he placed it in Mary's crown. That was what he did on the second visit to Fatima on May 13, 1982. So holy cow, what's all this going on here? All right, so now he said that's it. He decided to consecrate Russia. So John Paul II consecrated, but his first attempt was done privately. So it did not fill Our Lady's requests. Now in the second attempt, he invited all the bishops, because the first attempt was private, he didn't have the bishops, not valid. His second attempt, he invited the bishops, but it arrived too late, the invitation. And so we have a lot of problems, people saying, because the bishops weren't part of it. Well, he realized that, <clears throat> but good came out of this, because when he realized that Russia wasn't consecrated, he was learning and he was being inspired. Let's look at our next slide of some of the good that came out of this. John Paul II began to make explicit the connection between Fatima and divine mercy. You see that priest holding that? That's a Marian of the Immaculate Conception. Father Francis, one of our own Marian priests, there with Father, um, uh, with his um, assistant, um, uh, Jivich, Cardinal Jivich. And so look at this beautiful painting of the divine mercy image. John Paul started to make the connection between Fatima and divine mercy. This is where we're going here. All right. Remember the angel's first words at Fatima in 1916 were designs of mercy. And Sister Lucia's last vision, so the first vision talked about designs of mercy, and her last vision had the words grace and mercy. Mercy bookends the messages of Fatima. And John Paul II said he finds hope in a love more powerful than evil that no sin of the world can overcome. This love, what was it called? Mercy. This is what John Paul II said. And he said, Mary brings us to the source of this love and mercy, Christ himself. <clears throat> John Paul said, consecration <clears throat> to the immaculate heart means returning to the cross of her son. It means bringing the world and all its problems to the pierced side of the, and the heart of the Savior and thus back to the very source of its redemption. Now listen to this. It means bringing Mary, excuse me, I'm sorry. It means bringing the world through Mary to divine mercy. Every one of you right now listening who's a Marian helper, or who helps support our Marian Father's mission, I can tell you right now, God handpicked you. The reason I am a Marian of the Immaculate Conception is because of those words that John Paul II uttered. What is this whole message? Bringing the world through Mary to divine mercy. This is who we Marians are. We're all about to Jesus through Mary. That's why Father Mike Gately focuses on Marian consecration. I and other Marians focus on divine mercy, although the two are interconnected, you can't separate them. That's why I'm talking about Mary today, and Father Mike talks about divine mercy. 
It is the two spiritual weapons of our times, Mary and divine mercy. And John Paul II saying this, this is what the message of Fatima is actually about. This is how we have to understand it. Let's read John Paul's next quote <clears throat> on the next slide. The message of Fatima is more urgent than ever. It invites us to approach anew the fountain of mercy by an act of consecration. Mary wishes to draw near to this fountain. That's what Marian consecration is, drawing us to the fountain of mercy. This is the whole message of Fatima. <clears throat> this is why we Marians focus on Marian consecration and divine mercy, the two spiritual weapons. This is why we're called the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. But Father, you're all about divine mercy. What was God's greatest act of mercy ever bestowed on a creature? The Immaculate Conception. We were the first men's community ever to bear the term Immaculate Conception. Centuries before the, the dogma was declared. We were the first men's community in Poland and the first ever to bring this focus together of Mary and divine mercy. This is the message of the world. And we crazy little Marians have been given this message to do it. This is boggles the mind. And so you're with us in that mission. If you're watching and you're not part of this mission, I apologize, I should have made a slide for this, but go to micprayers.com. It's a simple, takes you less than 10 seconds. You want to share in this mission? You want to be part with us? micprayers.com. I think Mark may, Brother Mark may have had a chance to get it up there. But if you go there, it takes less than 10 seconds. You can join us in this mission. There's no cost. Just micprayers.com and join our mission to the world to bring Mary to divine, and through Mary, to divine mercy. All right. This is the end and goal of the message of Fatima, to bring us through Mary to God's divine mercy. John Paul II, what about all this talk of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart? It's not independent. It's tied in here. The triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart, John Paul II said, is we allow her to wash us in the fountain of mercy, which is, is she is especially free to do when we are consecrated to her. So I'm going to be doing a talk next week on Marian consecration. That's my subject next week. So it ties from Fatima into Marian consecration. So join me next week as we talk about how we do that. When you are, John Paul II says that Mary is especially able to wash us in the fountain of mercy when we're consecrated to her. So what is the triumph? The triumph is when man turns with trust to Jesus through Mary in prayer and penance for the sins of the whole world. This is basically the chaplet. The eternal, the chaplet, eternal father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and the sins of the whole world. You see how this all connects? It's phenomenal. John Paul II realized there would be peace as heaven promised through Fatima, but also St. Faustina. And he brought them together. Faustina said, mankind will not have peace until it turns with trust to my mercy. Remember that? Well, how do we bring it? How do we bring this trust, this peace, through the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Don't despair, but trust. This is all connected. Join us in this mission. 
I believe that you're watching for a purpose that God has chosen you. You don't have to get out of plane and fly to Africa and, and build schools or something. If you can, that's great. But you can be the hands and feet of Jesus through the myriads of the Immaculate Conception, through your prayers and, and support, whatever you can offer. Now, let's look at this next thing. Now, finally, John Paul II realized this connection of Mary and Divine Mercy. So what did he do? Next slide. On March 25th, 1984, 100 years later from the discussion with Pope Leo where I started this talk, in union with the bishops, John Paul II solemnly consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, before you turn me off and you say, Father, sorry, Russia has not been consecrated. I'll grant you Russia has not been converted. But we're going to talk about the consecration right now. Some say the Pope did not specifically say Russia in his public prayer. But when John Paul was thanked for consecrating the world, because he said, I consecrate the world, John Paul II himself added, quote, and Russia. Now, let's look at our next slide. Very important. Sister Lucia said, he made the consecration in the way in which the Blessed Virgin had wished that it should be made. Afterward, people asked me if it was made in the way Our Lady wanted, and I replied, yes, from that time it is made. All right. Some of you may still not believe this. You're free not to believe it. That's, you're not going to be punished by God that you don't believe it's been consecrated or not consecrated. Remember, this is private revelation. However, I want to make a few points here. Shortly after Sister Lucia said that, in 1991, the Soviet Union began to collapse. Now, do you know when Gorbachev signed the actual paperwork to dissolve the USSR? Take a guess. The Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and he didn't even know it. Then the official ending of the USSR, you guessed it, December 25th, Christmas Day. Now, people still argue that it's not been consecrated. I grant you, not converted, there's a difference. But the consecration, we Marian fathers stand with the Holy See. All right, and the Holy See issued a document, the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. This is official church teaching issued a document called the Message of Fatima. And I'm sorry, I should have made a slide here, but it's from June 26, 2000. And it stated, Sister Lucia personally, and I'm quoting here, Sister Lucia personally confirmed that this solemn and universal act of consecration corresponded to what Our Lady wished. Yes, it has been done just as Our Lady asked on March 25th, 1984. Hence, any further discussion or request is without basis. End quote. That's not my words. That's the words of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith from June 26, 2000. So we need to listen, I think, to the church but many will argue, rightfully so, Father, we haven't seen the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Russia hasn't been converted, although I think there's more churches being built in Russia than anywhere else. I think the conversion has started. But Father, there's no peace. Mary promised peace with the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. How come we haven't seen the triumph of the Immaculate Heart? Therefore, Russia must not have been converted. 
excuse me, Ag, consecrated. Because she's not fully converted, Russia must not have been consecrated. There's no peace. So, Father, if there's no peace, there's mean there's no triumph. And if there's no triumph of the Immaculate Heart, that means Russia wasn't consecrated. All right. To answer to that, we have a fascinating answer. For Russia to be converted, Mary said two things have to happen. One, Russia must be consecrated. But Mary didn't stop there. If that's all Mary asked for, I would agree with you. It seems Russia wasn't consecrated. But Mary said, uh-uh, there's two things that need to happen. One, Russia needs to be consecrated. I believe we've done it. The church says we've done it. Well, then why hasn't Russia been converted? Aha. Because Mary said there was a second thing that must happen. Now, you and I shouldn't worry about the consecration. We can't control it. You and I have no say over whether or not Russia was consecrated. That's between God, the bishops, and the Holy Father. But Mary gave part two that had to happen that does involve you and me, that we do have an effect. And what is that? Let's show our next slide. Back to the five first Saturdays devotion. Mary said in order for Russia to be converted, she not only has to be consecrated, but those five first Saturdays have to be done. Now, this is what is, we're not doing. Remember, we got to go to confession, receive Holy Communion, pray the rosary, and meditate on the mysteries or one or more of the mysteries for an additional 15 minutes. I ask you all, I'm not pointing fingers. I can point it at myself. Are we doing this? Are we fulfilling our part of the bargain? Let's suppose, as the church says, that the Holy Father did hold up his end of the bargain and Russia was consecrated, but she's not converted. That means Mary's second part of her request wasn't fulfilled. Who's to blame if the five first Saturdays haven't happened yet? Us. Not enough people are doing it. Do you, how many people do you know? Raise your hands, right? If you're doing the five first Saturdays devotion, God bless you if you are, but it's a forgotten devotion. I feel it's important we tell the world we got to start doing this again. This is what is important, and we don't even realize it. Have most of us been faithful to this request of Mary? I don't think so. It doesn't matter if Russia was consecrated or not, if we're not doing our part of the five first Saturdays, which also needs to happen before Russia's converted. So let's get busy, everybody. Let's get busy. But there was another problem that I think explains this. Even if Russia was consecrated, Remember what I said earlier? The problem is it was late. Let's look at the next slide. Jesus said to the three children, they did not heed my request. Like the king of France, they will repeat, repent and do it, but it will be late. Russia will have already spread her errors throughout the world, provoking wars and persecutions against the church. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. I already read this, but I wanted to show it in a slide to bring it back to emphasize that there was a problem with Russia being consecrated late. Now, my good friends down at the World Apostolate of Fatima also have an answer for whether or not Russia was consecrated. They said this, if Russia had been consecrated, as Our Lady asked back in 1917, then communism 
would have been stopped and World War II never would have happened. Instead, because of the consecration's long delay, World War II did happen and Russia did spread her airs of atheism throughout the world. Therefore, by 1984, listen to this, this is fascinating. This is in Father Mike Gately's book. Therefore, by 1984, not just Russia, but the whole world needed to be consecrated because Russia errors had infected. So John Paul explicitly consecrated, quote, the world, end quote, as well as, quote, nations that particularly need to be thus entrusted and consecrated. So what he did was he consecrated Russia plus more nations. What's wrong with that? Nothing. He did more than what Our Lady asked. So it took a long time for Russia to be consecrated. It may take a long time for her to be converted. You see the connection there? All right, so the consecration was not soon enough, and we didn't listen. That's why the evils of the 20th century and more martyrs than any time in human history have happened. All right. However, God brings a greater good. What's all this gloom and doom, Father? God brings a greater good. Remember I said John Paul II started to realize the connection between Fatima and divine mercy. This is a bigger, greater story. Let's look at our next slide. Here are the two power hitters. This whole thing is not just the story of Fatima, but it makes it even better. The story is John Paul II, St. Faustina, and Divine Mercy. It's all connected here. All right, let's look at our next slide. Through the blood of the martyrs, the 100 years after Fatima, the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the church. It has been a time of mercy has been granted. Remember I said the angel sprinkled the blood over the people walking through the ruins? You and I are the people walking through the ruins. Now physically of our cities being burned, but earlier through the destruction of our culture, the ruins of, of, the, of, of our, our destruction of our culture. The ruins doesn't have to mean physical buildings, although now I think it is. The ruins is of our culture being decimated and destroyed. You and I are walking through a destroyed culture right now. It's laying in ruins. But the blood of those martyrs, the angels sprinkled over you and me. Sprinkled over us to get us through. This is why the blood of the martyrs through the last hundred years has, has sustained this time of mercy. It's fascinating. Our loving God gave us a way out of the mess. The second greatest story ever told, as Father Mike says, um, uh, uh, Faustina, John Paul, and Divine Mercy. It all connects. John Paul gave a voice to the powerful connection between <clears throat> Mary and Divine Mercy and Fatima and Faustina. All right, last page. So as we await, obviously, the con full conversion of Russia and the world with Mary in this time of mercy... We can call down an ocean of graces upon us like Divine Mercy Sunday. That is the day that we call down a whole ocean of graces, Jesus tells us, on the whole world. John Paul II said this is the final message of Fatima and the way that we can prepare the world for the Lord's final coming. Remember, it connects to St. Faustina. Jesus said, you, St. Faustina, will 
be hand, I'm handpicking to help prepare the world for my final coming. So through Marian consecration, which I'm going to be talking about next week, join us. And Divine Mercy Sunday, our soul will never be cleaner. We're wiped clean by the blood of the martyrs in this time of mercy. Just accept that grace. This was laid out by Jesus through the great prophetic saints, Faustina and John Paul. Wow. Now I have another question. Boy, Father, I want to be a saint. I want to be used by Jesus like that. Do you have to be a canonized saint to be used by Jesus and God for this mission? Let's look at our next slide. No, this man was not a canonized saint, even though I think we could sure use him today. God can use anybody. This is Ronald Reagan, as you may know. He, too, was shot in the spring of 1981. Do you know he was shot just six weeks apart from uh, John Paul? And they met each other. They became great friends. And they said to each other they both believed that God had spared both of them for a special purpose. Both should have died in transit. They both believed that their mission <clears throat> was to bring down communism. And we know now it was proven that the Soviets were behind the assassination of John Paul. So John Paul and, and Reagan, there's a statue of the two of them in Gdansk in Poland, um, did this. And that's why Reagan had an intense interest in Fatima. You may not know this. He actually went there. And Ronald Reagan gave a talk about Mary and the three children. And he said, quote, in simple people like the children of Fatima, there is more power than all the armies of the world. You know, Ronald Reagan, when he died, he had only one request at his funeral. And Nancy, his wife, honored it. And that was to have Ave Maria sung at his funeral in the year 2004. You know, he grew up just down the road from Bishop Fulton Sheen. So this is amazing. So the bottom line, Mary's message is this. There is still time. We're in this time of mercy. This is why Pope Francis dedicated um, the time of the year of mercy. He said, the mercy of God is infinite, but the time of mercy is not. So he declared the year of mercy. It seems that the Pope, all last three Popes, John Paul, Benedict, and Francis, see this connection between divine mercy and Fatima, and so should we. As I said, that's why Pope Francis, let's look at our next slide. Do you know he actually dedicated his papacy to Our Lady of Fatima? Pope Francis did, and he declared the year of mercy, as I said. And do you know this? He also reconsecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Bet you didn't know that. All right, so let's finish. <clears throat> I wanted to finish with a question. What does Fatima mean for us today? I gave you all the history. I showed you the connection of Fatima and divine mercy, but what does it mean today? We still live in the age of Fatima, but yet we await the triumph, full triumph of the Immaculate Heart and the full era of peace. So what does it mean? How do we summarize this message? this message of Fatima, to bring about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. I found something amazing to answer this question and I want to share with you. And I promise it is nothing you probably ever thought of. Do you know what it means for us today, what the message of Fatima is, as applies to you personally, about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and how to bring it about? It involves you. 
Father, I'm not doing anything. I'm not in Fatima. Oh, yeah? Listen to this. According to Barb Ernstler of the World Apostolate of Fatima, she quoted Saint Lucia, or Sister Lucia from 1946. Listen to this. The essential request of Our Lady of Fatima was conveyed to the children in that very first question on May 13th. Quote, are you willing to offer yourselves to God and bear all the sufferings he wills to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners? Now here's where it involves you. Mary asked that question to the children, but she's asking it of us too. Here's how. Mary emphasized that it is the fulfillment of one's daily duties according to their own state in life and the sanctification of this effort in reparation for the sins and conversion of sinners, which is the primary condition for the turning back of the tide of evil which threatens the world today. The request was most essential because Mary is inviting us to unite all our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ just as she did. To accept and bear with submission all that happens to us makes everything about our normal day holy and at the service of God's will. It invites us to trust in our Lord and surrender all things to him. Okay, here's the bottom line. I hear all the time from people, Father... I get up every day. Five o'clock, the, the alarm goes off. I have to hassle around, get ready for work, make breakfast, get my husband off to work. Then uh, I have to get ready for work. Then I got to get the children off to school. Then I have to hassle with traffic. Then I have to fight with my boss at work. Nobody appreciates anything I do. Then I got to come home. The kids are a mess. I got to get dinner ready. I got to feed them. Then I have to help them with their homework. Then I have to sit down and, and fight with my husband about paying bills. Then I go to bed and I got to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. Father, there's got to be more to life than that. Guess what? Mary's words at Fatima was that very day that you go through in your daily duties based on your state in life, if you're a mother and a wife, that is how you are sanctified, made holy, and evil is stopped. This is what brings the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Part of the reason we may not have seen it is because people aren't realizing that's the way to do it. We, we, we live our daily duties faithfully. So husbands and wives be faithful to each other. Love one another. Instill in your children an act of faith. Do your duties. Offer them up when the sufferings come. And I know they do. You offering them up to God. He will reward that. This is the message of Fatima. And it all connects to God's mercy because in the midst of that suffering, God's having mercy on us. This is incredible. This is amazing. And yet we don't know this message. And so I hope that in a little way, you'll share this. You'll share this message because this is how we are sanctified, holy, made saints and get to heaven. It's a way of life. The message is one of, yes, as Mary said, of reconciliation, reparation, and prayer. Father, you're forgetting this. No, I'm not. The message, yes, is reconciliation, prayer, penance, 
and particularly reciting the rosary. Lucia said she was frustrated because people always wanted to focus on the miracles and the secrets. And Sister Lucia said, quote, the miracles and secrets aren't what's important. Whoa, really? What is most important is we must concentrate on Our Lady's message to live the Ten Commandments in our daily duties. That is what is important. To this, Lucia added the 11th commandment. Do whatever God tells you. Do the will of God. That's what Our Lady wants. And if you are faithful to your daily duties, honest, loving, faithful, charitable, you're doing the will of God. And that's how we thwart evil. The next picture on the slide, there you see the shrine of Fatima. The sacraments. Where do you get the sacraments? In that church, our church, your church. In 1916, the angel brought the children the Eucharist, the bread of life. The promise of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart calls for us to have Immaculate Hearts through baptism and confession. So the sacraments are also the answer of what Fatima's message is today. What about works of mercy? Yes, Mary said, pray, pray a great deal and make sacrifice for sinners. For many souls go to hell because they have no one to sacrifice or pray for them. This is important. In fact, St. Faustina said that you have three ways to, 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 do deed, uh, or, uh, to do works of mercy. Word, deed, and prayer. If you can't do something nice for somebody, you can pray for them. If you can't say something nice for somebody, you can pray for them. So works of mercy, very important. And finally, Marian devotion. Let's look at our next slide. There's a beautiful picture. That's Marian devotion. We're not worshiping her. People see that picture. We're not worshiping her. We're honoring her. This is what we do to a queen. A queen is not the king. But you still honor the queen. And this is what we're going to talk about with Marian consecration next week. We pray to God to help us through her intercession. Mary appeared as Our Lady of the Rosary and Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Those are Marian devotions. She said, pray the rosary daily for peace in the world, for the conversion of poor sinners, and for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Let me repeat that. Pray the rosary daily for peace in the world, the conversion of poor sinners, and for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. This is Marian devotion to Our Lady of Mount Carmel and Our Lady of the Rosary. She also said, be invested in the brown scapular. I just uh, blessed the brown scapular on my way up here to the talk. Then, of course, don't forget your five first Saturdays devotion to make reparation to her Immaculate Heart for the blasphemies. And then finally, as I said, the topic of next week, consecrate to Mary. Let's look at the last slide. You can see that beauty in the consecration to Mary. There you see all those lights. I hope those are candles, not cell phones, but whatever it takes, right? <laughs> we consecrate to her. And then finally, what is the message of Fatima for today? Devotion to the family. This is why Sister Lucia said the final battle will be between good and evil be over marriage and the family. You know, during the October um, 1917 apparition, the, the three children saw Our Lady, St. Joseph, and the child Jesus. That's the holy family. The model for our families today, which are falling apart. Turn to the Holy Family. 
Sister Lucia said to Cardinal Carlo Cafara, quote, Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. And those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation. Man, are we seeing that today. But do not be afraid because Our Lady has already crushed his head. Wow. What an amazing message. Please, I'm finished now, but share this message. You know, down below the video you're watching, our YouTube channel is called Divine Mercy. Click on that, subscribe, so that we can continue to unite you with us in this mission. The only way that we're going to do this is together. So please, if you can find just a moment, reach down on your video, you're watching this video right now, click subscribe to the Divine Mercy channel. This is an incredible way to join us in this mission of Mary and Divine Mercy. Please send the video to others, spread this message. I don't care if it's this video or another video, just spread the message. This is the message of our times. And this is why I began with saying Fatima is arguably the most important Marian apparition in human history. So God bless all of you. We're so thankful that you could join us. And please, as I said, join in our Marian mission. Just visit micprayers.com. Become a Marian helper. It's free. It takes 10 seconds. Because we want you in Mary's army. You know, you always just talk about the blue army of Fatima. This is a perfect example. Let's live it and see that connection between Mary and divine mercy. So may almighty God bless you and yours. And we hope to see you next week in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.